hey, are you trying to recover and maybe even fall pregnant naturally? I thought that might be you. And if so, we have created our best ever yet resource for you. Totally free. This is a masterclass. I've called it my masterclass because I have put everything into this, right? This masterclass is designed for you if you have HA or have had HA and are dealing with suboptimal cycles and you're serious about restoring those babies to full optimization and you want to create the ideal foundation for a pregnancy. This is going to be for you. So in this masterclass, I'm going to provide you a lot of things, including a lot of case studies, mine, Ashley's and Mishi's, as well as lots of our past clients and what their challenges were and what they had to do to overcome it. And we cover a really wide variety of types of cases of HA. So everything from primary amenorrhea and missing periods for years and years to short-term amenorrhea and what we did to handle that situation as well and how long it took these people to go from HA to pregnant with this system and how long it took them to go from HA to ovulating, of course, with this system. So lots of information, lots of case studies, lots of stats. We go through why this is not a weight gain plan and how we actually divide you into phases, the three phases of HA and determine what your starting point is so that you have a good idea of where you need to start with your actual changes and lifestyle and nutrition changes. We even cover questions like HA and people with a normal BMI and recovery for people who have had HA for too long. There's so much in this 60-minute masterclass. Y'all, I'm impressed. And at the end, I'll also be running you through how to get a free HTMA, hair tissue mineral analysis through us, which is a part of our process for recovery and preconception clients that we're happily going to give you for free 99 as a massive thank you, of course, for joining the masterclass. So go to the hasociety.com forward slash masterclass or head to our website and you'll find a link for it and find when the next available presentation is going to be. That's the hasociety.com forward slash masterclass. Hey, and welcome to the Hypothalamic Amenorrhea Podcast, an adulting advice podcast production. I'm Danny Sheriff, and this is the place to come if you care about getting your period regularly. This podcast aims to educate, inform, and keep you motivated on your period and HA recovery track. Let's dive in. And guys, please remember that I am not a doctor and nothing on this show should be taken as medical advice. Always seek the advice of your physician. Welcome everyone to the HA podcast. It's me, Danny, and I am joined by Claudia Vidor. If you found me on Instagram, then you've probably found Claudia before as well. Um, we're both circling in the same hashtag space. She's a nutrition and dietetic clinician who specializes in HA pregnancy and postpartum. Really excited to talk to, to her when she reached out. I was pretty pumped because she has this whole other perspective. We haven't spoken to anyone I don't think about on the show. And yeah, well, just welcome, Claudia. Thank you. Thank you, Danny. It's a pleasure to be part of your podcast. I was actually looking forward to this conversation with you. Cool. So, oh, I love your podcast. I've been listening to it for many months now, and uh, I think that it's really changing the community, the HA community. So you're doing a great job. 
Thank you. Uh, and I know that you have been doing your work in the HA space actually longer than I have. I remember kind of seeing your face and your name popping up online. So I, I'm sure that you have been experiencing a similar, what was that? I've been around forever. Yeah. <laughs> a lot longer than me. Yeah. I'm sure you've experienced what it's like to kind of just, it's so cool to bring this information to people. Yeah. the people that have heard it for the first time and it's totally changing their life and they're able to get pregnant. And it's just like, wow, it's just the coolest thing. Absolutely. And uh, now I have a beautiful Facebook group and uh, 200 women are part of it. And I love like spending my days chatting to these women because I know that I do this for work, but sometimes being able to support women and to guide them through the same journey that I had to experience for a decade is so fulfilling and so rewarding. And I've noticed some of my clients or just some of the women that hang out on my Facebook group going from HA to getting pregnant. And uh, it's just, it makes my life. Yeah, you know? I've experienced the same thing in my group too. And it's just like, when you think about the gravity of um, just like how impactful what you're doing is being on someone's life, it, it's sometimes it's hard to fathom. Absolutely. I had this girl that she came to me only a couple of months ago and she said, look, I went to the doctor and they told me that I have perimenopause and she's only 32 and she was looking to getting pregnant again. And then we had like a quick chat on Facebook and I'm like, darling, you have no perimenopause at all. You're experiencing HA. And I'm not sure in the States, I think that in the States, the vibe is slightly different. But here in Australia, if you go to a GP, they diagnose you with PCOS or perimenopause. No one is still talking about hypothalamic amenorrhea, even in the IVF realm, mm. which is really scary. So, so many women are frustrated and are left alone and they don't know what to do with themselves. Yeah, it's very similar here. I will say when I went to the doctor in Australia, I like, he did pick up on it being HA. And at the same time, he didn't tell me. It was like, in hindsight, I know now what had happened was I went to my doctor in Sydney and told him what's going on. And I'm like, I feel really sad. I feel really miserable. I haven't had a period in forever. I just like, don't know what's wrong. And he gave me a hug, <laughs> which is weird. I don't know if that's like, okay, but he gave me a hug and he um, prescribed me to have a vacation and to take time off. And like, he, cause he was asking me about my life and everything that I'm doing. And I think he had made this connection that there was way too much stress going on in my life. He had never used the term HA or anything like that. And it was years later, but I think, I thought that was a somewhat positive experience. Really? Yeah. At least from the stress component. I wish that I could share the same story, but I was trying desperately to get pregnant for five years. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know why I wasn't getting my period. I kind of knew, but I was in denial, you know? We have and an intuition about it. Like there's an innate understanding of what's going on. I would love to hear your, your story, however you tell it. Yeah, should I get into it? Yeah, straight please do. Well, my story is quite longish. So it started when I was 15. So I'm trying to shortcut it a little bit. But um, when I was 15, uh, between 15 and 20 years of age, I developed an eating disorder. Like I was anorexic first and then bulimic. And I went into a rehabilitation center and I was like taken care of. And uh, finally, I basically, I call myself recovered. 
And then I got offered a job in Australia when I was 26. So I decided to leave my country, which is Italy, to move to Australia. And that was the best thing that I did because all of a sudden I was free from all the Italian culture that plays so much emphasis on the body, on fashion and all of that. So I felt free and I loved my first year in Australia. But then the job that I was doing was really demand demanding. I was a marketing manager in the travel industry. So always traveling here and there. And I was also in a very bad relationship. And when I broke up from that relationship, I had a panic attack and I lost my period. So in the beginning, I think that it was all really much stress related. And then obviously, because I was so stressed out, I started exercising and watching my diet a little bit more. And I remember that I would spend my days just eating a little bit and then having alcohol at nighttime, going out with friends, simply because I was trying to recover a broken heart. And you can imagine, Danny, I went from feeling okay to feeling completely miserable. Gut issues, hair falling down, not having a period for many, many, <clears throat> many, many, many months. And uh, I decided to go, actually, before I met my now husband. And it made me fall in love with my body again, because he basically loved me the way that I was unconditionally. And I said, okay, so if someone can love me the way that I am, why can't I love myself for what I am? So I started questioning myself a little bit. And he actually invited me to go to yoga for the very first time in my life because he used to go to yoga back then. And I ended up becoming a yoga teacher because that's how much I love the old yoga community. And, you know, I really felt part of it. And I was looking for a place that made me feel that I belong. But anyway, so long story short, my period was still, it came back in the beginning of our relationship, but was still kind of touch and go simply because I kept on restricting, restricting, restricting. Mm -hmm. And I was going to yoga twice a day, every day. So yeah, yoga is great, but if you do it twice a day, every day for three hours, then it's not really gonna help your recovery. And plus on top of it, I was still working long hours. And then it came the time that we were looking to have a baby and uh, I was still like suffering from gut issues, problem with my periods insomnia and all of it. And I went to see a um, naturopathic doc doctor and she helped me realize that what I was doing wasn't really working for my body. Mm -hmm. So she gave me supplements, she changed my diet and finally my period came back. But unfortunately I recovered my body, but not my mindset. So as soon as I faced a stressful situation, again, with my job or not being able to fall pregnant, I will go back to restricting myself. And then after three years of trying to conceive, I went to see a normal GP and I was diagnosed with PCOS, mm. which is the worst thing that could have happened because basically she told me, okay, you just have to go on this diet, cut the carbs and increase your, your exercise. And so I started running marathon, Danny, <laughs> because I didn't know what else to do. Do they, do you know, what factors they took into account to give you the PCOS diagnosis or just that you had no period? Well, when you have, when you suffer from, from PCOS, you have basically to tick off three boxes. One is a oligomenorrhea or amenorrhea. So I wasn't having a period. Mm -hmm. So check. Exactly. The second one is having high level of androgens, which wasn't my case. 
And the third one is having a polycystic ovaries. But if you're suffering from HA, you normally tend to have polycystic ovaries oh, as well. Awesome. Yeah, exactly. Because the, your ovaries are trying to get you to the finish line and they keep producing follicles, but they're really, really teeny tiny and you don't ovulate. So they keep staying in your ovaries, basically. Yeah. So it just looks like you have this buildup that kind of presents as having polycystic ovarian syndrome, but really you just have a lot of follicles trying their best. Correct. And I really get disheartened when I hear about women that are like 17, 18, that they go for an ultrasound and they find so many cysts in their ovaries and they get diagnosed with PCOS when it has been shown that until you are 21, you shouldn't get a scan on your ovaries because that's when you produce all the follicles. So there are so many girls, teenagers, and uh, women under the age of 21 that are diagnosed with PCOS. They get put on a, uh, on a pill to fix their period, but they don't have PCOS at all. They just have normal ovaries that are producing lots of follicles. Yeah. Anyway, that was... Um, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> I'm just getting really cranky and passionate about it. But then long story short, so basically they told me you just need to do IVF because you're not going to be able to conceive naturally. And that's when I said, okay, no, this is not going to work. So I went back to the naturopathic doctor, increased my caloric intake, stopped exercising completely, even yoga, no running, nothing. I quit my job. I went back to studying uh, dietetics at university. And that's when I got my period and finally got pregnant for the first time. The postpartum phase was really challenging because no one tells you how tough it is to raise a child, especially if you have no support. And yeah, all your family is overseas, right? And it's going to be the same thing for you because I, yeah, if you're going to have a baby very soon, then you're going to be surrounded by lots of lovely friends. But friends are not there for you at three o'clock in the morning or at five o'clock in the morning when the baby's screaming and you can't sleep and all of that, you know? And then during the day, you're hungry and you get anxiety because you have a new baby and what the hell am I going to do with it? And so I went back to what I, I knew. So I started restricting again, exercising. And, um, and that's when I got diagnosed with osteoporosis. And that was the last row, the wake up call. I said, no, nah, I'm not going to do this shit again to my body. And that's when I said, fuck the scale. Sorry. I'm, I'm that's swearing. Fine. I swear all the time. <laughs> Good to know. Let me know if it's a problem. But so I deleted my fitness pal, chucked away the scale, threw away all the tools, the external tools that I was using. And I recovered once and for all. And I never looked back, Danny. And the freedom that I got from that is just incredible. And then all of a sudden, without planning for it, we got pregnant again. Yeah. The same week that uh, there was the co the COVID came out basically. So 2020 was a major year. Oh, for me. wow. Yeah. People that got pregnant during COVID have already had babies. <laughs> yeah. We had a COVID. That's how COVID. long it's going on. I know. It's incredible. So basically, that's my story in a nutshell. And then obviously, there were ebbs and flows and lots of gray areas. But that's what happened to me. So it took me like 10 years to to fully recover from HA. And next year I'm gonna be 40. And I keep seeing lots of uh, clients in my clinical practice and also online and so on and so forth that are around my age that are really struggling 
with HA. It, they don't even know what it is. So, yeah, I'm excited to dive into that with you a little bit. So you're seeing women of advanced maternal age, right, struggling to get periods back. And I'm sure that when you're in advanced maternal age, which is 35 plus, um, you know, women see like have even more potential reasons in their head that this is happening to them. How often do you see women, um, you know, feeling like maybe they just missed the boat and they're a little bit too old or something like that when really they just, um, you know, are restricting food or over-exercising or are you seeing something else altogether? Look, I don't know the statistics, obviously on top of my head, but it's something that it's more and more common that I keep seeing on my clinic. And it also maybe because of the... Uh, the stuff that I put out online. So I'm attracting this type of clients, but it's getting more and more common. And especially because these women, they normally go to normal GPs or they go to specialists, endocrinologists, <clears throat> and they never get to the root cause of what is going on. And then in the meantime, they're very active. They have a highly stressful job because that's what we do nowadays. We have to have it all, you know, the job, the body, the family, the social life, and then we keep restricting our caloric intake because that's what we have been doing for so many years. Because I am, as I said before, in my 40 next years, which means that I have 40 years of wrong knowledge on my shoulders. Meaning that for 40 years, I've been reading the wrong informations in the magazine. I've been watching all the fitspo all the shows on TV that told me that it was okay to lose weight, it was okay to restrict the calories, it was okay to eat 1,200 calories a day to maintain a healthy body. So these are the type of people that I'm seeing. And even worse, I'm seeing lots of women that maybe have already had a baby they were, and then they got their body back because once again, that's what you're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Within six weeks, you have to have a flat tummy. after. Oh, yeah. Eating. And uh, I saw something the other day online, which really resonated with me, meaning that when you're pregnant, everyone is in awe of your body. Everyone loves your belly. Everyone loves your curves and all of that. And then as soon as you get rid of, you get rid of the baby. (laughs) (laughs) I know what you mean. (laughs) uh, Everyone makes comment about, oh, when are you going back to the gym? You lost weight. Do they really? then you have no idea. That's the first thing that people comment on. And I'm in a very isolated and protected environment because I've been so loud about Mm -hmm. being diet. So all my friends, they're like, "Mm, we're not going to make any comment on it. So the only thing that they ask me is, have you eaten today? Do you want me to bring you a meal? The opposite. Yeah, good. (laughs) The opposite. But if I was back in Italy with all the older generations, like women are 60, even 70 and 80 plus, the first thing that they do is just commenting on your weight. But even here, I remember with my first baby, I went out of the hospital and this friend of my husband came to visit us and he said, so what are you going to do about your belly now? And it was only one week postpartum. So you can imagine how stressful it can be for a mother after having had a baby to feel this incredible pressure of going back to a body that she will never have again. Because if you go to birth, your bones expand. It's natural. 
your body changes. There is no way that it, you can go back to exactly the same shape as it was before, because it's not meant to. And then you're also dealing with all the other issues, you know, incontinence and gut issues. And, and that's why women, they feel that they're losing control. And so they go back to what they know, exercising and restricting, because that's all they can control. So the moment I'm seeing all these women, 35 plus, trying to have the second baby and not succeeding because they went back to their kind of mentality. And it's more and more common than it. Wow. Yeah. So I didn't think about it that way, but a lot of women would also get HA for the first time after their second child. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And I think that not that many people are talking about this, uh, this type of, uh, market <laughs> market let's say but these women they they keep it for themselves because they have already had a baby and they're struggling to understand why they can't have a second one and the thing that they're doing all the right things you know exercising keeping fit eating a um a healthy diet and i keep saying healthy but please you know what i mean when i say healthy like society kind of yeah thing. yeah i i think we like I know that almost every word is like not allowed to be used anymore in some way or another. Um, But, you know, I think the word healthy does have a place just in helping us to basically just visualize for us individually what health is for us. You know, like you can still say eating healthy and that might look different to everyone, but what you're saying is still going to apply. Absolutely. Thank you. I just uh, find the need to clarify because for sure, but I'm sure that the people that are listening to, to this podcast, they know what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> but so yeah, these are the women that I've been seeing a lot lately. So 35 plus, and normally within six months to eight months of following, it depends the recovery program that I um, have online, which is not for everyone. So I, I have a very individualized kind of approach with the people that I get because we're not made with a cookie cutter. I wish we were because it would be so much easier. Yeah. But, so yeah, that's what I'm seeing. And after eight months of changing their diet, meaning increasing their caloric intake, eating the fun foods, going out and have fun, sleeping more and stop exercising or not even stop exercising, just exercising less, you know, do a warm up instead of doing a CrossFit session. It's still fine. Your body's not gonna, it's not gonna break down because of it. And uh, they recover and then they're able to fall pregnant by themselves without having to go through IVF, which is financially a burden and emotionally is a downfall. Yeah. I mean. Okay. I love it. There's like, okay, I have to pick, I have to pick a rabbit hole to go down. My first question is, um, so this is something that's coming up in our group actually quite a bit. A number of girls inside of um, the group that I run have gotten pregnant and including myself, actually. So a lot of this is going to be selfish. Are you pregnant? <laughs> yes. Oh my God. I didn't receive the memo. No, I haven't. I haven't announced it, but by the time this episode comes out, I will have. So <laughs> I'm so excited. How many weeks? <laughs> I'm, um, Right now I'm like five and a half weeks. So really early. How are you feeling? 
Okay. Yeah. I get like a little bit nauseous sometimes and that's about it. My boobs are really sore. But yeah, that's good. The best thing ever, Danny. I'm so <laughs> so, when I hear about a woman getting pregnant after HA, I'm like, yay! I know, like being in therapy, me, my, my therapist was just like, this is everything you've worked for. This is, this is huge. <laughs> like, I guess so. Yeah. When I got pregnant the first time, I used to see a therapist as well. And she was really professional. So always like standing one meter and a half away mm. from me. And when I told her I'm pregnant, she just stood up and hugged me really tight because that's a massive achievement. Congratulations. Sorry. Thank I you. can spend the next basically half an hour talking about you being pregnant. <laughs> Thank you. Well, I could too, but we won't do that to the listeners. Hey, we won't do that. Yeah. So it's been a really popular topic in our group, obviously. Now I had a fair few recovery periods before getting pregnant. There are girls in the group. One of them, Nikki, she got pregnant before having her first period. So on her first ovulation, she got pregnant. Um, Erica, I think she had one period and same with Hillary. So there's a few who didn't necessarily spend a lot of time in that continuing to cycle phase and there's definitely I think that they're all going to crush it but they have brought up you know what what's it going to be like after I have my baby and and that one motivation because all of these girls except for me um they were going through HA recovery with the goal of getting pregnant so when you go through it with the goal of getting pregnant you know how can you get on the other side of pregnancy and still prioritize your menstrual health and your mental health and non-restriction, you know, when the goal has been met? I hear you. That's a, a big one. And I really struggle with it with my first pregnancy, not at all with the second one. Well, first of all, you have to work during your pregnancy meaning that your body is going to change incredibly in the next few months Mm -hmm. and you really need to love it as much as you can. You're going to have to embrace all the stretch marks, all the reflux, all the nausea and just connect with your baby Mm -hmm. because that you just need to feel the love. I know that it sounds really naive, but you really need to start feeling the love for the baby and connected with the love for your body because that's what your body is creating, a baby, which is sensational. It's something extraordinary. And people feel pregnant, they've always, women have always felt pregnant, but still we miss the fact that it's something extraordinary. So you have to start with that connection and deep love for your body throughout the pregnancy. So by the time that you give birth, that has been solidified. And then after that, focus on your baby. Which kind of mother do you want to be for your baby? Do you want to be that mother that make pizza for everyone, sit at the table and have a salad instead? Which kind of message are you giving Mm. to your child? And especially if it's a baby girl. Baby girls can start dieting from the age of four, but they learn your behaviors from the age of three. So I think that I'm getting goosebumps right now. Because that was scary enough for me to pull me off from diet completely for the rest of my life. Because my first baby, she's a baby girl. So I don't want her to live the same thing. Um, So one is focus on the love for your body. Second, love for your child. 
think about the future that you want to give her. And third, you're going to be so freaking busy, Danny, and so freaking <laughs> deprived, and so hungry, because if you breastfeed mm-hmm. and you don't sleep, then you can imagine the level of hunger that you, you go through, that you just, you're going to ride it out for the first few months. And it's always going back to your whys. I keep telling myself, okay, if I, ha- if I struggle sometimes, I just go back to my whys. Why did I want to recover in first place? Because to me, um, recovering just to get pregnant wasn't enough. Mm-hmm. I wanted to recover because I wanted to get my libido back. I wanted to find my, pa- uh, my partner attractive again. I wanted to feel strong. I want to be a strong mother. I want to get to the age of 50s, 70s, 80s that I feel like my bones are strong. I don't want it to start breaking down by the age of 50, not being able to, you know, lift my child up in the air. That's so sad. So go back to your whys and repeat them as a mantra every single day. And every time that you look at yourself in the mirror, just hug that belly. Hug the belly that created a child. Once again, how extraordinary is that? So I don't know, have I answered your question? Yeah, you have. I really love the two aspects of like how this responsibility you have to be an example for your daughter is like, is probably more than enough for a lot of women to not slip back into those behaviors. It's probably a really good one. And it's also a responsibility towards yourself because when, if you are 35 plus, then after having babies, after maybe having one, two or three, if you're lucky, then you're going to hit perimenopause and perimenopause It's a different subject in itself, so I'm not going to touch on that. But you're going to lose your menstrual cycle. So you're going to lose all the benefit that your menstrual cycle gives you. For example, strong bone health, incredible incredible libido, um, energy, vitality, and all of that. So you want to make sure that before you hit perimenopause, all those things, everything is in place in your body, meaning you feel strong, healthy with a strong mindset, because then it's going to be, there is going to be another challenge to face. Am I making sense? Because my sleep deprived brain at the moment is like, no, no, it makes, it makes total sense. Like this is a getting through this period and thriving in it is so important because the next challenge is coming. Exactly. So focus on your baby for sure. Focus also on yourself. Yeah. It's all Going back to your whys, going back to why, why, why did I want to recover? It's not only about having a baby. Yes, of course, you want to get pregnant. Of course, you want to build a family. But what else? And if you can't find a second why, dive deeper. We ran a challenge last week in my Facebook group. And the first uh, uh, day one of the challenge was write down 15 whys of why you want to recover. Mm. One, five wise because one is not enough two are not enough three are not enough just dive deeper why do you want to recover yeah did you see any cool ones that are worth inspiring the listeners with um a lot of cool ones because everyone is cool on its own i think but there was this one that was about not passing on the same message to her child for example yeah and another one that she wanted to feel free again And I thought that the words were so powerful in itself because she basically understood that HA is a cage, is a self-protective 
cage that we have built around ourselves. And uh, it's all about control and letting, and letting go of control. Because I think that increasing the caloric intake and stop exercising, easy. But working on the mindset around it, extremely difficult. But if you realize that you have put yourself in a cage and the more you shrink yourself, the more your life is going to shrink around you, that's a wake-up call in itself. That is so, like, I feel so good listening to that. All that's true. And the, the HA is a cage. I haven't heard that before, but it's completely true. And the more you, you know, restrict and yeah, try to shrink yourself, the smaller your cage becomes and your, your world really is just, you know, consumed by the things that are causing this to you. Yeah. And it's when, when women can release themselves of, this hyper focus on their bodies and their food and they can and they can begin to trust their body and they can begin to love what it does when it's at its set point and just like embrace the changes that are coming with it like your whole life just reopens the things you were talking about before with like incredible libido and having you know high energy and just having the mental and physical capacity to like see your friends and just live your life is that's a huge why for me and the crazy thing and the reason I was curious about what some of the ladies whys are is just because so many of us don't actually think of those things like we don't realize that we're going to get those back you go in to just like get your period back because you you hear it's really good for your bone health and all that stuff and you you end up getting your life back and a lot of women don't even realize that that's going to be the main thing that happens. Absolutely. NHA is super time consuming as well, which <laughs> yeah. realize because we think that we are in control, but we're not. We're spending so much time counting the calories, going to the gym, avoiding social gathering, and also like the real estate that takes into your brain. You're always constantly thinking about food and exercise. And then you give up HA and you can take on a new hobby. Like for example, you have started drawing, beautiful drawings. And I'm reading a book every week, which I've always loved reading books. But when I had HA, it seems like a waste of time. And now I'm like- Total waste of time. Total waste of time. I want to read a book, say what? No way. So let me walk another mile. Let me walk another somewhere else so I can burn off more calories, you know. And now I just sit in my couch for like hours with a cup of tea, unless obviously there is real stuff that I need to do. And I just go through one book and another. And also something else that I, a beautiful girl shared on the Facebook group was that she had two babies already. So she's the one struggling to find the motivation after after motherhood, let's say. And she shared with us that she wanted to feel free to go out to a restaurant with her husband and pick something from the menu without checking the menu in advance. Because that's something that she hasn't done in 10 freaking years. And another cool one, having birthday cake. This woman, she has never had a birthday cake. Since she can remember. Like she just always says no to the cake. 
Yeah, so basically she gets to her birthday and she gets so worked up in the days before her birthday because she's going to have the cake, she's going to have the cake, no, I can't have the cake. So there is all this going on in her brain. And then she gets to the, the day of her birthday and she avoids having the cake. And she has been doing it for all her life. And we're talking about someone that is 45 at the moment and she can't remember having a piece of cake. Yeah, this is it's incredible. And like, so, so many women worry like, oh, but if I go into HA recovery, you know, I'm going to not be able to stop eating and I'm going to totally like balloon out. And it's like, no, it's not really about eating all of the junk all the time to the point that you, you know, have weight gain beyond comprehension. It's you get to start enjoying the birthday cake and your partner's birthday cake and your cousins. And you're just like, you're not having cake every day. You're embracing all these times that you have never, or you haven't embraced in the last however many years. And that is where it's at. You'll, you, you're not going to want to eat cake every single day. You're going to want to enjoy the moments when that's on offer and you're connecting with other people and you're celebrating other people or your own life. I just you know, really want women to know that that's, that's what this is about. Absolutely. And can I share something very personal with you, Danny? So I love baking cookies with my daughter. It's something that she enjoys doing. So we try to do it as, as much as we can together. Back in, and then she feeds me the cookies because she she's very nurturing back in the days i would have oh can you imagine like being fed a cookie when uh, when you have ha can you like think oh. about it? too scary too time consuming too scary i have to put in my fitness pal i can't eat enough tonight i have to go for a walk after that and now we can just sit in the moment bake the cookies and then share the cookies together and then in itself is just my reason to recover. The freedom of having freedom, but also the freedom of being loved by another human being completely and accepting the love. Because I think that when you restrict yourself is also you're pushing away the love from others and from yourself as well. Because it's a way, H.A. is a, a way of punishing yourself really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Although, Society tells us, tells us the opposite, but anyway. It's all it's very a- confusing. It's like, oh, you're looking after yourself so well by, you know, restricting yourself of these opportunities to connect because food for so many is connection. And I don't know exactly where you're from in Italy. I do hear it depends where you're from in Italy. But, um, I mean, isn't food all about connection over there? Like, isn't that the thing? Like the, I remember that when I was a little girl, we had to have breakfast together, lunch together, and dinner together. <laughs> Every single day. You're not going to skip a meal. We're going to sit down as a family. And then when it was the, the weekend, we used to sit down as like a big family. Or with yeah, friends. all the cousins and all of the... <laughs> all of them. And then I, you would sit down for hours. So it's not like, yeah, I remember that when I arrived in Australia, I was kind of shocked because sometimes I, I saw people in the food court like scoffing down a sushi while they were w- walking and reading a book by themselves. Yeah. And I'm like, what's all that about? And obviously I ended up marrying uh, an Italian man okay. that was in Australia as well. They come from my hometown, but I've never met him when I was back in Italy. No way. 
uh, funny that. And uh, as soon as we met, he was like, well, what do you mean that you skip meals? No, 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 no. <laughs> I don't know which meals together. What are we talking about? And that's also how, yeah. And that's, he was a huge help and a huge support when I was really struggling throughout my journey. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I wish I was Italian. It just sounds so cool. <laughs> you're Australian. You are basically, oh, you're from the best country in the world. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I know I would I'm like really missing it at the moment as well maybe just because I'm not allowed to go back but you know I think that we're all feeling quite homesick right now yeah we're all kind of like don't we don't like being told to stay where we are and oh uh, I know we all need a virtual hug like I know. All of- but anyway yeah so crazy so Tell me a little bit more about you. You had mentioned your coaching and the way that you work with women and, and that you have like a, a individualized approach that's not for necessarily for everyone. What do you mean by that? Like, I'm so curious about what, what you do. So normally I offer pl- plenty of free res- resources online. So if you go from, to my Instagram page, you can download lots of things for free, like 10 tips on how to recover from HA and all of that and the opportunity to be part of the Facebook group. And that's all for free. If you find that it's not enough for you and if you want extra support, then I offer a 20 minutes free chat so we can talk and really understand where you're coming from, what you're going through. And then I decide if you're ready to take on a seven the, the recovery program, which is a seven weeks online recovery program where I support you by you're mainly doing it by yourself or if you need to actually see me weekly for the first few weeks before moving on to the program or before recovering by yourself, obviously. Because I think that the program is a great support for women that don't have like financially, they cannot afford to see me one-on-one, but it's not enough for some women that have been struggling for many years. Many like years, yeah. That I've seen uh, lots of the clients that have my similar back history that they have been dealing with HA for more than 10, 15 years. And it takes a lot of time to break down all the walls that you have built around you in the 15 years of HA. So that's basically what I offer. When women have had HA for like 10, 15 years, what is it that makes or that you have seen that makes like that need to break down the barrier take longer I mean obviously they've just been probably ingrained in habits for a longer period of time if you've had HA for 10 to 15 years you're probably more likely to come from a disordered eating background but what is it that needs to be approached differently in your experience for women that have had HA for longer well it's a really interesting question and it really depends on the woman in itself first of all it depends on the culture that she's coming from so if she's from a mediterranean culture we need to work on the mindset about not giving a fuck about what people think about her and her life that's one of the main components that we need to work on because in those countries it's so important what other people think about you that you yeah you basically you don't care about what you're going through simply to people please uh and then it's really paramount again, to work on the whys someone want to recover. Mm. And uh, if you don't set them in stones, 
I don't think that you have any chance of really recover properly. Because as you said before, if you have been suffering from HA for 10, 15 years, you tend to have a background, a disorder eating background. So first we need to work on the mindset because yes, you can increase the caloric intake and decrease the exercise level. You get one period back. And as soon as you get the first period back, then you go back to the, the old habit because you really don't want to change your body. You just want to get your period back. And as soon as you achieve that, then you, you know, you go back to restricting and all of that. That's obviously what I've seen in practice. So yeah. mindset is a, it's paramount when I meet with people that have been suffering for such a long period of time. Because yes. Yeah. Yeah. I was just curious because I see the same thing. And when someone comes and they're, they're like, I have had AJ for 10, 15 years, there's this, like, I want to give them an even bigger hug because in, in practice, I've just noticed like the shorter a period of time you've had your period, there is a correlation with being able to get it back quicker. Um, and then those who have had it for 10, 15 years, it's just like um, the road ahead is it's, it's going to be fine and we're going to be there for you and we can do this. But like you even have to put your even bigger blinders on and really have these solid, solid whys that you can always fall back onto because the whys for kind of, getting HA in the first place, like those have been solidified in your life for even longer. Absolutely. Yeah. And then you also have to work on the shame component and uh, the forgiveness. So shame for what you're experiencing, because lots of uh, older women, they come to me and they say, but teenagers go through that, not us. You know, we have a family. How is that possible that we are still dealing with something that normally teenagers go through? And then uh, something else that they need to work on is the support group, the network around them, because they really yes. cut some people loose and just focus on recovering. So it's a uh, life changing even more for people that have a family that they can't get rid of really. So they have a relationship they've had for so many years. And so they have to start telling a different story. And there is lots of shame behind it and lots of forgiveness is required. Forgiveness to what you have done to your body mainly. So that's what I've been finding the most. The shame and forgiveness are massive component for people that have been suffering for such a long period of time. And also from a personal experience, forgiving myself, I don't know how many years it took me. I'm still nowadays, I have to work on forgiving what I've done to my body because as I mentioned before I have to deal with osteoporosis now yeah long-term effects exactly and, and yeah. then all the stuff that I I prevented myself from getting pregnant when I was much younger so now I will have two kids and be of a much younger age that would be really more beneficial for everyone for myself for my postpartum recovery and for my kids as well so they wouldn't have a mother that is quite oldish, you know, but anyway, so yeah, that's all things that I try to work on when I, I speak with women that they've been dealing with it for so many years. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure so many women are able to really connect with you because you just understand where they're coming from. I think it's really cool that you've been through it and now you're in that space. 
I think that I, lots of people, they just want to talk to me because they want to know my story and they want to know how did you get to the other side? Like they are curious because mm-hmm. if I did it, so they can do it. So just give me the steps. And I wish that it was that simple. I can give you like a scaffolding, like yeah. some steps to be following, but really it's, you have to do the work. Yeah. Step yeah. one is really hard. Step two is also really, really hard. <laughs> well, I don't do it. Especially because when you have problems uh, that are related with food and exercise, you know, when you are, uh, when you abuse alcohol and drug, I'm not saying that it's easier to get rid of them, but the solution is to get rid of them. But when it comes to food and exercise, there's something that you have to keep in your life. You have to eat at least three to six times a day, you know? So that's a fear that you have to challenge every single day, multiple times a day. So I wish that HA was like, okay, you are taking, you're smoking marijuana every day and you're feeling quite dizzy and not so well in yourself. Stop smoking the marijuana. No. Yeah, like you're not getting your period because of gluten. Like stop eating the gluten. Like I wish it was that simple. (laughs) Yeah, cut the gluten and then you're fine. You just mentioned that, and lots of women that come to me, especially when they've been dealing with this problem for so many years, they've already changed their diet multiple times. So they've made a mess with their bodies. And you have to unpack all of the stuff that they've learned and put it back together. And that requires even a longer time. Mm-hmm. Because they've all the diets under the sun. And they want to receive another diet because that's all they know. Because yeah. for some years, society has told them a diet is going to fix you. It's going to fix your hormones. It's going to fix the fact that you can't get pregnant. It's going to fix your body. But we all know that that's not the case. Oh, yeah. Like just not dying at, not dieting at all is just not on people's radar. No, because then what else? <laughs> do you know we have to keep control control freak nowadays so if i don't diet does it mean that i can eat whatever i want that's too bizarre how can you tell me to do that yeah because every time i've done a diet that has reinforced the belief system that i have that there are is a right way and wrong way to eat and i suck because i haven't found the correct one for me Absolutely. And yeah, it's just like a cycle. All on you. And once again, shame. Shame yeah. because you haven't achieved what other women have achieved before you. So you feel like a failure and you feel left behind. Oh my gosh. This is like actually in my chest right now. <laughs> yeah. I've definitely been through all those feelings and just that like everything you said. I'm um, I'm not able to achieve what women before me have. I'm being left behind. I'm not worthy of that outcome that they have. And I'm also not worthy of like being just happy in the body that I'm in. And so everything is not working. But the good news is that you are recovered. You are pregnant. Yes. Those are feelings that pass when you do the hard work and you get through it you they're absolutely you absolutely get onto the other side in a completely different space 
last night I woke up at 11 o'clock because I had to breastfeed mm. and I felt like having a chocolate bar. I had a chocolate bar and I went back to sleep. <laughs> just before hitting my head on the pillow, I thought, thank you. Thank you, recovery. That was like, I had this moment of, I feel free. There was a time where you would have told yourself no and uh, breastfed and gone to bed. Like for 15 years or even more than that, for 20 years, I would have not allowed myself to have a chocolate bar if I wanted to have a chocolate bar. So, yeah. And that's like, I won't go back down another tangent because we're, we're almost up on time. But like, also, if you don't do the work and then you go and get maybe IVF treatment or something, um, because there are, let's face it, like there are women who would rather get treatment than, and take that expensive route than recover because of the fear that they have around weight gain and eating more. And, um, you know, that doesn't mean though, that you're going to, you know, once you have that baby, be able to provide for that baby. If you're still restricting food, like imagine if you were still restricting food and not eating enough calories, the quality of your breast milk or your, and your ability to produce is compromised, which affects your baby. So like, there's so many reasons to be doing the mental work and not just trying to eat more and exercise less temporarily to get pregnant. And also if you go through the IVF route, it has been shown that if you suffer from HA, you have higher risk of getting a miscarriage, a preterm baby, a baby of a smaller size, a birth, which are all things that you definitely want to avoid on top of what you just mentioned the low supply when it comes to breast milk. And also you may need to do multiple rounds of IVF to get pregnant if you're not recovered because your body is not working against you. It's actually trying to protect you. And a pregnancy is really, really taxing on your body. And for example, I did suffer from hyperemesis gravidarum with both my pregnancy, which means that you throw up even 25 times a day, you can't leave the bed wow. three months. So I was, yeah, I was on IV for three months. I couldn't eat or drink. It's dreadful. People can die because of that. And if you come from a very depleted space and you end up suffering, for example, from hypermesis gravidarum, which happens to 15% of pregnant women, which is still a high number, what are you going to do? You're not going to be able to make it. So these are all things that I would like women to consider before choosing IVF amongst the, the natural route. Not to mention that if you have HA, you go through IVF, higher risk of postpartum anxiety and depression. These are all beautiful things that you definitely want to avoid. Yeah, so I don't want to, I think that IVF is, is a blessing because thanks science that is giving us the option nowadays, but consider it. If it's your only option, or maybe yeah, you want another six months, another year, see if you can recover entirely and then try IVF. That's, That's really interesting. I didn't know those stats. Thank you for sharing that. I wish that I had the numbers, but I can look them up and maybe share them with you in, in the future. Yeah, yeah, yeah cool. Read anyway. Yeah. I mean, wow, they're so interesting. I might do some digging anyway, because there's a lot of women right now listening that are considering that route. Um, yeah. 
and I did consider it myself, obviously, because why do I have to put on weight and stop exercising when I can just get some injections and exactly. Yeah. People need to be sold on why. Yeah. Once again, we go back to the whys, Danny, don't we? Yeah, we do. Okay. All right. Thank you. Well, thank you so much. Where can people learn more and chat with you, Claudia? Well, you can find me on my website, Instagram and Facebook, uh, Nourished by Claudia. So I'm everywhere nourished by Claudia. So very easy to find me. And then if you want to send me an email, uh, just claudia at nourishedbyclaudia.com. And I love talking to women. I love talking to people and see what they're going through. I'm always willing to help. And I'm always here for a chat anyway. That's, I have a massive passion when it comes to women, hormonal health and postpartum, postnatal and pregnancy anyway and Danny if you need any help with your pregnancy reach out please (laughs) (laughs) thank you so much I mean I don't even know yet what I need help with I'm all I'm messaging my doctor I'm like when when do I do the first things she's like hang on you've got like four more weeks before we even like go for I'm just like "Ah, I don't know what to do Make sure that you take the vitamins. Make sure they at least take that. Yeah, I'm on my prenatal. I've got. I've. That's the one thing I can control right now is like making sure I'm supplementing and eating well too. And sleep as much as you can because you're gonna hate me now because everyone tells you the same thing. But sleep now because you're not gonna sleep later. (laughs) (laughs) Well, my body's already like waking me up at all kinds of strange intervals. Um, I don't like it, but a part of me is also like, oh, get used to it. <laughs> As I said before, our body is trying to work with us, not against us. Totally. So you're like trying to send you a message that, hey, woman, you need to adjust your sleep timetable a little bit for the future. But oh. it's going to be so nice, Danny. I'm so happy for you. Thank but anyway, you so much. All righty. All right. Bye, guys. Bye. Thank you so much for listening today, guys. Please subscribe to the podcast. And if you could head to iTunes specifically and leave a rating or review, that would help so much because it makes it easier for other people with HA who are Googling around to find the podcast really easily. So if you do that, you're doing a service to all of the women.